Hey everyone, how AI built this is back in your life. I'm sure by now you're sick of all the daily mixes on Spotify uh, and watching Big Bang Theory reruns on E4. Uh, I know I am, um, so you're all welcome for some original content. Thanks as always to the wonderful folks at Cathcart Associates, um, our only sponsor and um, probably the best recruitment company in the world. So thanks to them. Today in the podcast, I'm very excited to be speaking to Andrew Hathaway. Um, he is the founder and CTO um, of a company called Hark in Leeds. Um, I appreciate if you've listened to this before, you might have realized I'm prone to a kind of minor exaggeration. Um, but in this case, I think I'm bang on. Um, Hark's probably in the top kind of five, 10 coolest companies in the entire country. I'll let Andrew tell you more about them. But from a recent talk they gave at our Leeds ML event, they spoke about how they use machine learning and internet of things um, to fix some of the world's biggest problems. Um, so I'll leave you on that cliffhanger. Anyway, please welcome Andrew Hathaway to How AI Built This. Thanks for coming on, Andrew. Appreciate the time. Yeah, no worries. No worries. So people that have uh, listened to the podcast before, they will know that we always kind of start on education. Um, so correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, from what I could see on, on LinkedIn and like kind of some of the stuff about your background, you are pretty much a self-taught developer, right? Yeah, pretty much. I don't have, I mean, I have GCSEs. Uh, I did go to college, but I didn't collect anything. Uh, in fact, the best thing I got out of college was meeting someone, meeting someone who actually works for us now, which is really nice. Well, that's um, class. But I didn't go on to university or anything like that. Um, for me, in, in my industry, being a developer primarily, uh, it wasn't really something I was kind of interested in. Uh, or rather, I saw a lot of people going to university who um, you know, weren't necessarily getting the job I was already in. So that was the kind of key thing. I was already in a job. Uh, so education wasn't really you know, a big thing for me at the time. Yeah, no, I like that. And I like the one of the reasons we always start on that kind of education piece or, or how someone got into the industry is because everyone's just slightly different. Yeah. Um, and I remember, so I think it was two podcasts ago, um, I chatted to a chap called Luke, um, and he's a self-taught developer as well. And he was very much of the opinion that if you really want to learn something, like you can kind of do it and whatever way suits you best um yeah. Yeah. is kind of the way to go. And also, I mean, I'm sure you'll be a proponent for this, and I don't know if you've experienced it, um, when you've been hiring at Hark as well. But you definitely don't need a degree to be a great dev. No, definitely not. I mean, I I often delete education sections from CVs when I get them, purely because, I like, like I just said myself, like in the role when I'm hiring a developer, I never needed a degree. I don't see it as a requirement. So I often kind of remove them. And I'll, I'll kind of, you know, I'll consider them sometimes if there's something, you know, unique, something different. Um, but most of the time, in terms of degrees, I tend to I tend to ignore them. Uh, really, yeah. uh, purely because, like 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 you just said, I mean, if I started quite early on, um, I believe it's something that if you really want to get into, you can just go ahead and start building stuff. Um, yeah. You know, the common thing is to just build your own portfolio website like ten times over a year for fun, um, and that's just something that like I yeah I tend to to do, uh, and I used to do at least. Um, and I guess, I, I, I mean, the only reason I would look for a, a degree is in, you know, education, uh, systems like, uh, you know, being a doctor or a teacher, but in, in creative industries, in, you know, audio industries, uh, development, design, and art, etc. I wouldn't look for a degree personally. Yeah, and I think one of the things, I never want to sound like I'm anti-degree. I mean, I went to uni, mm. but um, I think it's like different paths for different people. But I think the, I think the amazing thing about, software development, design, even um, kind of when we're talking about data science as well, a lot of it is like you produce something 
So yeah. you're going to yeah. show your work, whether that's on an interview, a portfolio, or on the on the job. Um, so you can show if you're good or not. Um, so you don't really need a bit of paper from ten years ago to tell you that you can be a developer. So yeah, I think what you said there is great. I mean, you can just you just crack on basically, and if you're yeah, got, if you've got passion for it and you're good for it, then you can highlight it. Yeah, I mean, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say no to someone because they have a, a degree. Um, I went to university, <laughs> whatever, but um, it's the anti-degree recruitment. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, I I just personally like I like I said, I just haven't had that experience myself, um, and that's you know, it's I will totally consider someone who doesn't have any formal education. Yeah. No, we had a great chat. Um, it was actually um, on, a, on a podcast today um, with a chap that's got a PhD. Um, and he said that the people he's hired that have had like a really big impact on his business are people that have um, retrained to be a software developer. So they've done like, you'll have seen them in Leeds as well, but like there's one in Scotland where um, it's like a 16 week intensive boot camp. Um, yeah. And, and yeah. You, pay, you pay your own money and it's people that have been like, like they were a bus driver or they were a teacher or they were like insert any job and they've mm-hmm. said, I really, I really want to be a developer. They've paid thousands of pounds to train up and then they've committed to it. Um, so if the person gets through that course and has like a real passion for it, then they're the kind of people you want to hire because they're going to, they're going to really like make a, make a yeah. go of it. Yeah. We've, we've hired um, two people, I believe maybe three. Uh, yeah. Three in the past, I think. Um, from North Coders, which is something oh, yeah. Yeah, it's very similar. from Manchester. Um, people who have retrained, uh, one, I believe, was in the kind of PR industry, seeing a lot of developers, um, you know, working on things and was like, I want to do that. Um, and the other, I, th- I believe, was an electrician. Nice. Um, so, yeah, we, you know, it's, they, and, um, you know, they do great work for us and, and we really value them. So uh, that kind of, you know, go out and get what you want in any kind of way is, is, is really nice to see because it shows that someone, you know, it's, I guess it's kind of easy for someone to uh, have a career, be set down a certain path and go, you know, I'll stick this out because it's a job and that's fine. Yeah. But if you're not actually happy with what you're doing and you actually want to do something different to change that and potentially have, you know, any, you know, it's not straightforward then you're doing something completely different it could go you know could go wrong to take that chance is really valuable and it shows you know if you get to the end that you've stuck through it and actually you can you, you know you're quite a good person to to change and do something like that yeah but i've got a, a bit of perseverance about you um mm. all right well i mean kind of back to kind of a brief overview overview of kind of what what you've done um so it looks like you pretty much started life in a, in a kind of digital creative agency um yep. kind of P, a bit of php development but also kind of just like full stack website like kind of yeah. builds for clients i assume yeah so so originally like really early on um in terms of doing stuff myself i built windows applications which is not something you'd see me do now because i'm not a windows <laughs> user um but uh after that i kind of wanted to build a website um to put them on so i started you know html css javascript um got into PHP after that. And then basically as I was doing my uh, my GCSEs, uh, managed to get an internship at an agency in Leeds who, um, you know, good friends of ours. So that's re- uh, they were really nice, really good people. Nice. Um, and after kind of working with them for two weeks, they offered me a job, which was really nice. So I left school and uh, after my GCSEs and uh, got a job with them. And I was doing yeah, primarily website builds, full stack stuff, uh, typically PHP, but a lot of kind of the front end element focused originally doing a lot more of the back end development as time went on. Uh, and then after that, I 
you know, had multiple freelance projects going on, multiple side projects, etc. Um, and actually moved to another agency in Leeds where we ran uh, a bit of like an internal startup in that, and then that larger agency working on data analysis tools. So nice. um, we built a product that essentially um, processed market analysis data from, well, not market analysis, search analysis data from Google as being one of the providers. And we could, you know, tell you uh, just from a domain name where you're positioned in Google for certain keywords, what you rank well for, what you could work on, and where your competitors are, nice. uh, who your competitors are, if you don't even know who they are. Because um, it was quite an SEO-based company. Um, so it was used internally, and then we kind of sold it outwards as well. So that was really cool. Nice. Was that when you were kind of head of dev? Was that that company? No, that was that was one of the freelance projects. Oh, cool. Yeah, so, so yeah, so Branded3 obviously do a lot of the SEO work, and I know about, about those yeah. guys because they... Um, they're a part of a parent group of a client of ours in Edinburgh. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, I was going to say to you, they've, they've obviously got a great name for SEO work. So yeah, was your role related to that? But yeah, obviously it was. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Branded3 um, now sold out, now Edit. If you know, if you, uh, part of the people from there are now in Edit. Um, yeah. And uh, Branded3 was a company where I built that, yeah. So yeah, it's nice. a developer there. Um, and then straight from there, by the looks of it, you formed what you, where you're at now. But to take it back a little bit, mm-hmm. was was running your own thing even way back when you were doing that internship after GS, GCSEs? Was that something in your head that you thought like I want to run my own thing? I do. I do remember even um, at like my year eleven prom. This is this is really <laughs> bad to give like this. I do remember actually thinking. I actually was talking to someone. And they were like, you know, what do you what do you see in your future? And I was like, I want to run a technology company. I want to, you know, I don't want to work for people. You know, I will to get to that point. But, you know, I think I think it's a bit of a, especially at the time, it was, you know, people starting companies, people building, you know, side projects and forming them into real companies. And it was it was a bit of a thing at the time. Yeah. Uh, so I definitely saw myself at that point anyway, maybe naively at the time, um, <laughs> thinking, Oh, I definitely, you know, I want to have, I want to have a product. I want to, you know, be my own business and with a set of friends. Uh, I did have a few side projects that, you know, maybe that early on I thought could be something like that. Um, but you know, it was only many years later that actually it came to the point where um, it was a reality where it's okay. You know, now we've we've done a lot of things. We have a lot of experience. If we find something that actually could be very interesting for us we should take that leap and, and it was something that we did yeah no amazing um was it quite a big <laughs> i don't want to say the word risk but was it quite like uh um this was calculated risk leaving something like branded three which obviously at the time in leeds are a pretty well-known reputable yeah. digital agency who uh, kind of been taken over and and uh yeah the the, the comfortable basically would, would be how to describe that uh, to then going to your own thing with a couple of mates like what was that process like uh it was it was exciting to be honest i think um i have a bit of a like maybe happy-go-lucky attitude to some things so <laughs> it's you know obviously like i remember speaking to my mom or my, my mother and uh she you know was said you know have you have you checked all of this is, is this definitely gonna work because uh, at the time i had a house um you know quite early on it wasn't the case of like living at my parents house and trying something and then going from there it was i was quite an independent person already so i had a car house etc yeah uh, bills to pay um which is often the problem um uh, but i think it was mostly excitement mostly mostly confidence um in that we found something that was quite interesting and 
you know, we were friends with um, the people who ran Branded 3 originally, uh, Vin and Patrick, and they kind of helped us get started. I remember Patrick, I, I kind of always tell the story, but we were sat down with um, with Patrick and he said, you know, if you really think this can go somewhere, then you need to, you know, you need to be doing it full time. If, you know, you really need to commit. And it was kind of like, yeah, you're, you're right. You're really all right. And at that point, you know, we we put in our notices and we, we went for it. And I guess the benefit of that is that you have, you know, you have a date in mind of like, if things don't pan out, this is when we need to do something. But, you know, this is, it's our, it's our runway. And that's actually kind of fueling. Um, it's like, you need to be extending that runway constantly. And that was something, you know, we, we managed to build our product within six months and started selling it within six months, which was quite impressive for, I think, you know, to say ourselves. Um, and we, we've done quite well since there, but yeah, I think initially taking that step was, it was a risk, but I, like I said, I think I'm quite a happy go lucky kind of confident person and try and just, uh, just to go for things and see how they pan out. I think you need a bit of that if you're gonna if you're gonna leave a role to start something. You need to have uh, either that happy or lucky or like a kind of I don't know, just like absolute determination. But I mean, what an amazing yeah. what an amazing uh, person to have that you work for someone that suggests you should leave um, to mm-hmm. follow to follow what you're doing. That's great um, and probably very rare. Um, I mean, so going back quickly to kind of 2016 when Hark first kind of came around. Um, how did it come about with you and the the other founders? And kind of, I suppose, if you can remember back then, what what was the kind of initial, uh, I don't know, the initial idea, the kind of like the, the thought process yeah. behind what Hark might have been back then? And is it the same now? Uh, it's definitely not the same now. Um, <laughs> so uh, I should say that. So Jordan, I met. Um, we were, we've been friends for years. We you know similar music scene. We had friends of friends basically through my school and to his school. Uh, so we actually knew each other for a, for a long, long time before I actually joined him at Brennan Three. Um, you know, you know, I think I think he had a girlfriend at the time, and she was like, "Oh, my boyfriend writes code," and I was like, "Oh, cool." And we kind of chatted through that, um, and that's how we, we for a long time we, we've known each other. Yeah. Um, Julian, uh, Julian, he uh, he also worked at Brennan Three actually before me, so he left, but he knew Jordan, and we kind of um, met up outside of work and hang, started hanging out and. You know, we're all quite confident software developers thinking, you know, we can build anything. Uh, and that's when, it, you know, it all got started. So, um, you know, originally we started in pharmaceuticals. So we had uh, kind of a contact um, who essentially was in the pharmaceutical world. And they were saying, um, you know, the, the software is terrible. The software is terrible in our industry. You know, it's all local. It's not cloud-based. It's, you know, Windows 95 looking really old stuff. Um, and we were like, oh, we can we can do something though, because you know, my, myself and Jordan, coming from backgrounds with you know dealing with a lot of data, we thought, okay, well, data is not a problem. Um, and you know, pharmaceuticals essentially the the first kind of go to was stability chambers, where you you store a drug, uh, for example, for you know it could be up to five years, for example, and uh, every so often you pull um, a sample out from where it's being stored in certain temperature and humidity. And that's how they kind of work down when it starts to break, you know, they work out when it starts to break down and that it gives you your, you know, kind of use by dates. Um, that data has to be kept for a long, long time because if you lose it, you have to restart the entire process and that could be millions lost in, in you know, drug sales, for example. So 
um yeah we we had um we had a a friend in the industry said it was terrible we thought we could do better we started talking and then hark was born originally in pharmaceuticals and then i think you know a year goes by we've built a product we're selling to pharmaceuticals and we ca- we've kind of built our platform in a way that it can accept any kind of data we can accept you know energy data um temperature humidity co2 uh, water pressure just any kind of numerical value we can take it in it doesn't have to be time series either um and we'll start you know anal- analyzing it and graphing it out and basically giving you alerts etc yeah. um and then we we started speaking to a couple of you know different people doing loads of different things um you know moisture um monitoring for the moors and just random projects um there's a couple that I can't really talk about, but um, we started working with one of the top four supermarkets. And one of the main things they wanted to do was connect all their buildings, start getting metrics from their buildings. And energy is quite a common one. So um, we're now like massively in the energy space. Uh, that's kind of where we define our company to be. Uh, we focus on energy. Um, you know, but that kind of is very different from where we started in pharmaceuticals. Yeah, very different. Um, but I think it's one of those things when you do have a startup and you're not really sure, kind of, you know, you want to build something, but not really sure what that it is going to kind of. I don't think there's many companies where it won't pivot slightly. Uh, yeah, if, yeah. If not, if not completely. Um, so I think it's, it's not a bad thing. And the, the problem was, I guess, is that with, in a good way, we built our platform to be open to accept any kind of data, but that also meant that. You know, quite an early company trying to get some sales, for example, um, or just, you know, work with many cool companies. Um, our platform could accept anything. So we could do anything. Oh, you want to you wanna monitor this, that? You know, you want to monitor, um, work with gas companies, water companies, um, you know, scientific companies, DNA data, um, uranium mines, like anything. Oh, come at us and let's, let's see what we can do. Uh, but that obviously isn't great for a startup because actually you think you, you realize that you're kind of like spreading yourself too thin and really own, like honing in on one specific thing is really beneficial because there's a lot to energy. Yeah. Um, but you can do a lot in that space. Um, but it's it's more specific than it would be just kind of going in everything. So, yeah. Yeah, no, that's actually a bit of a recurring theme we've had on, on most of the podcasts, but certainly the last few where... A lot of the guys who've had startups will say, or are running startups, will say that the, the biggest thing they learned early on was like have some sort of focus, um, ideally kind of a real niche. Go for that, and yeah. then if it if it does expand, then amazing. But yeah, the problem can be that you are able to do so much as a startup, yeah. but then you don't end up doing anything. Is the problem? Yeah, and pharmaceuticals was that for us uh, originally, but you yeah. know it doesn't, it doesn't always go the way you intend to, and you start hearing from people that really want to do some exciting things of your your work. So, you know, things change, and um, we followed that for a bit too long, and, and not a bit too long, sorry, but you know we followed that for a while, and then realized that you know energy is quite a common one. It's a really hot topic. We can do some really good for the industry and also the world in in that space. You know, reducing um, emissions of CO two. Um, and also reducing costs for other businesses uh, and consumption in general. So that's where we kind of we started to focus on. No, hundred percent. So it's good. I remember um, uh, at the recent Leeds ML event, we had one of your guys speaking, yeah. um, Angus, uh, and it was going through um, what you guys are doing for kind of 
I suppose it was like climate change, renewable energy, but just going through mm-hmm. some of the things that you guys can do, and it was pretty fascinating. Um, I mean, now that you have kind of had that pivot towards energy, when you're kind of telling someone what Hark does, what what's the the current or kind of most up to date um, snapshot? Uh, so, so our mission is to to improve efficiency, uh, reduce waste, and maximize yield. So that could be, you know, typically in the energy space. Um, and you know, we help companies to to monitor their facilities, uh, start controlling them, um, reducing their emissions, reducing their energy, and save some money as well. Um, and then, you know, the control is the interesting thing because once you start monitoring things, you can start controlling them, reducing lights, for example, uh, across all of your facilities. Um, that's kind of the the mission is is the three line kind of well, you know, six word simple way of saying it. Yeah. Um, but that's kind of yeah, where we're where we're aimed at. No, nice. I like it. And it, this might have nothing to do with what you guys do, but maybe you can fix this. One of the things that uh, always pisses me off more than anything is that when you're driving in like a big city, so let's say Leeds for example, or yeah. Edinburgh or Manchester, you go around at night, maybe say like eight nine o'clock at night, and all the offices all have their lights on. I don't get yeah, it. Yeah, I know. And you, know, I've the thing is, it's it's really weird when you start going down a certain path as a company or as you know someone, and you start noticing things. And the other thing I noticed the other day was obviously McDonald's is shut right now. Yeah. And I'm going past them, and I'm realizing, like, I went past them on the way to like the shopping the other day, and I realized that like all the lights are still on. It's like why? There's literally nobody inside. There shouldn't be anybody inside. Why are the lights on? It, it annoys me now because you realize how like lighting i think is uh is, is a large portion like 20 percent plus of you know the consumption in the world of electricity just lighting alone it's massive yeah um and you think you know if everybody just turned their lights off and <laughs> it kind of takes me back to my mom like if i was at home when my mom would say you know turn the lights off you're not in that room and really it does like if everybody did that it would make a massive difference yeah, no, my dad's favorite was that it was like Blackpool Illuminations in our house because there, yeah, there was one light on. Um, <laughs> but no, it's crazy. And my, uh, my sales director, actually, he has a, a B&E's bonnet at work when we have the lights on during the day in summer. He's like, why do we all have lights on? He's like, you wouldn't yeah. have lights on in your house. Uh, but nobody can explain it. And apparently offices, I don't, I've not been around. Um, I don't live in the city center in Edinburgh. So right. um, I don't know if all the lights in the offices are still on. I would hope not, given that we're in lockdown. But maybe, I don't know, yeah. maybe. Yeah, maybe. Um, um, but it's that's kind of why we can help. So you know, we can we can control the lights of any building. Uh, for example, is one of the things we can do. And yeah. then when you have those times where actually you don't need as much lighting, we can just reduce it. And if it's dimmable, then it's even better because you can save, you know, save money, but still have lights on. Yeah. And you think that of all the technology that is available to people and all the, the amount of money gets spent on kind of designing new buildings, for example, you would think that kind of smart lighting and connected devices where someone like Hark could control some of that would just make sense. Yeah, yeah. You see a lot of the occupancy-based, um, you know, kind of sensors where you walk past it and the light will turn on. Yeah. That's, good. That's, that's way better than just having fixed lights on all the time. Yeah. Um, but I think you know when when you start thinking about warehousing um, or retail and you know supermarkets, they have dimmable lights. And sometimes you know, for example, a common thing they do is that they'll dim the lights when you know they're stocking up at night and there's no one else in the store, or it's just it's late at night. The lights don't need to be on that that much, um, and they'll dim the lights quite a lot. So yeah, save some money and also save you know carbon etc. 
Um, yeah, so no. it's quite a fun thing. But yeah, the in terms of new builds, um, you know, there are companies trying to do things, and you know, we're we're kind of helping them out with some things. Um, and lights is like I said, it's it's a massive portion. So by even using just those uh, those occupancy based sensors, it's it's way better than just having fixed lights. Yeah, no, 100%. And obviously, it isn't just kind of that type of work you guys are doing. I know that, I mean, Angus, again, was talking about the renewable energy slant to it. I mean, where, where does some of that come into it? Yeah, so so we, we work quite a lot in the battery storage kind of area. Um, we we do a lot in terms of renewable energies and monitoring, you know, renewable energy sources, uh, renewable energy sources things like uh, solar and wind. Um, and then typically with a battery component um, and we'll help companies do things like take their buildings off during the red period, which is essentially the, the highest kind of consuming period and also the most expensive period, typically about four or five till 7 p.m. in the day uh, where energy for commercial um, is really expensive. So, um, for example, you can start to do things like um, charge, your, charge your battery from renewable sources or just naturally um, during the green period when it's cheaper and use that that energy during the red period to actually save that cost and you save quite a bit of cost from that yeah um and there's a lot more you can do with batteries you know selling energy back to the grid generating it and selling it back or using it to to kind of smooth out energy if you've got uh, a site that could be you know huddersfield is quite a common one for like brownouts where it's not quite a blackout but you know lights flicker things can go a bit strange if you put a battery in there you can kind of help um make the energy more consistent for example yeah okay cool um, why is Huddersfield like a, a spot for it? Is it just one of those kind of anomalies? Uh, I don't, I don't know. I, to be fair, um, I, I'm sure there is a reason. Um, I just haven't checked it out. But <laughs> fair enough. I, just by experience, I know that Huddersfield tends to have a lot of issues. We have um, a couple of companies that we work with who are in Huddersfield, in, in kind of um, in some of the valleys, etc. Um, and they typically have some energy problems here and there. Yeah. So batteries help them a lot just by being able to stabilize because it could be you know it could be a second blip or it could be you know a little longer but batteries just smooth it right out depending yeah, okay. on the size of your battery and your load um so yeah it's quite a common one in Huddersfield or that kind of area nice um and then I suppose back to you a little bit as well but how did you find uh kind of three parts to it but how did you find kind of being a developer to then being kind of a lead developer where I'm sure there was kind of decisions being made, hiring being made, um, to then being kind of one of a handful of founders um, running the whole company, like everything comes down to you guys. What Was there anything challenging about that or was it all quite fun? Um, no, I think it's all quite fun. Um, God, I'm trying to think about this now. Um, the So being a developer, being a part of an agency uh, is quite interesting. You, you do a lot you know, you, you're on a project, then uh, you build it and you're on to the next one. It's really, really good for upping your skills because you'll just get, a you know, a design and you'll be like, right, how do I build that? Build it, done, and you're on to the next thing. So you get quite through, you know, through quite a lot. Um, and then, you, you know, you don't have to worry about business decisions, essentially, you know, the majority of the time you can help out. It's definitely, you know, we love it when people help us with the business side of things instead of just the development side of things. But you don't you don't have to if that's not something you're comfortable doing or you know you're still learning. I think then going on to Brandy Three gave us a bit of experience of of running a team because um, we also had a brief stint um, before we left of actually running a development team as part of the agency, not as our own kind of internal kind of startup. 
Um, so we had experience running our own team as an internal startup, being on our own, sorting everything out ourselves, which is really, really good. And then also ran a team of, of uh, 10 plus developers as part of the agency side. And that, you know, is interesting. Like I, I guess at the time, I, I, I mean, it was four years ago now and I was 20 years old when we left uh, roughly. Um, so quite young to be running a team of people who could potentially be, you know, double my age. Um, um, so that was, that was interesting, but I think I got over that fairly quickly. Uh, and now I think in terms of Hark, it's kind of all, it's all organic. Like you, you do what you need to do to get, you know, to make progress as a business. So you start and you're, you're suddenly you have an accountant, which is something is definitely <laughs> worth doing. Um, did you, you learn that early enough? Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, like I said, we're, we're friends with um, Vin and Patrick from Brady 3 yeah. and they kind of helped us get started a lot. Um, so they were like, you know, we have we have a good accountant that will help you out. And it means you don't have to worry about that stuff. And accountancy, you can spend hours, you know, trying to do your own accountancy. And if you just, you know, have someone else do it, it's actually really helpful, especially when you, you need to focus on the product. Um, but no, I think you, you learn all this stuff organically. You learn uh, by meeting people, by trying things by building a product and trying to sell it and working out where you know what where people are interested in it um and running you know teams of people you know as as your own company as your own company you're when you hire someone you're the expert to them you know all about the company especially if you founded it uh because you know it's not like hiring a developer and them suddenly knowing how your entire product works um they know every uh, you know everything about the product you know everything about the business so as you learn and, and the people learn around you you're kind of all together especially as a small company um so i, I guess this, it didn't really seem like that much of a big deal to me um because you know you are the, the person that people look up to to get information from you know their work from how to do things how we as a business want to operate um and you just kind of go along and see things, you know, make decisions and try and do your best, really. No, I like that. I like the kind of, uh, you mentioned earlier, but that kind of just general positive attitude towards things has kind of seemed to, to got you through most things so far. Um, <laughs> the, yeah, did, you, uh, <laughs> did you uh, did you also find it helpful um, having the other guys with you as well? Which I think that was a big part of it. Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. I know, I know Jordan um, and I. We, you know, we especially at the start, we were working in our bedrooms, and we'd work a lot, you know, during the night. And it's kind of a typical kind of story, really. Um, so I won't bang on about it too much, but you know, working late nights, working all the time, trying to get a product together. Um, and I remember, like, we would go over. I would go over to Jordan's house sometimes at like four a.m. in the morning of four a.m. Um, and uh, and we would talk about work and then I'd kind of go to bed for a few hours and then, you know, get back up and, and write more code or whatever. Um, and then, you know, as you're working other things out together, not just the development side, you're doing it together. You are making decisions together, especially when you bring people on. You you know, it's not just myself and Jordan and Jules and, you know, the other kind of senior management team. It's the people who work for us who aren't, you know, making the decisions. We have to do the best for them as well as the company. So um, it's good to discuss things and, you know, work out what the best is for people and get all those different points of view. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. And I think we've had different conversations with different people where 
they've maybe had one or two people um, or, or a few people. And it seems like it's definitely a, a slightly easier road if you're not doing it completely by yourself. Um, yeah. yeah. It seems probably. to be a common theme, um, especially because you guys are mates as well. That, that must help a lot. Yeah, which which is actually, it's an interesting thing because, you know, a lot of people say don't make a business with your friends. You know, don't have your your co-founder is your best friend because that's potentially issues and I, you know, causes issues potentially. Um, and you know, like any, like any person working closely with someone, especially early on, um, you're going to, you're going to, you know, clash a little bit, but I, myself and Jordan, for example, you know, we have, we both believe what we believe in, you know, maybe a product design kind of thing and we'll be able to discuss it and chat about it. And I know early on, you know, some of those things could have not got, you know, ridiculously heated, but could have got to the point where it was like, I just, I, I don't want to budge on this. And, you know, eventually over time you work that, you know, you work these things out and having that, that more personal relationship with, with someone is actually, is good because you can kind of park it and then go, so how's your day going? You know, what are you up to tonight? And then, okay, right. Let's how we, you know, think about this and. I think yeah. Eventually, you you kind of get over it and realize that actually, it's not. It's you know, it's easy to say it's not personal, and you you realize quite early on that, you know, we we may think differently on certain things, but it's not personal, and we're trying to do the best for the company. Yeah. No, I, I can't imagine if I was ever going to set up a company, it wouldn't be with a good mate. Um, <laughs> I think you would. You would. I would need that kind of like close connection to make it work. Mm -hmm. Especially if you are going yeah. to do these crazy late nights, you're going to make tough decisions. You're trying to grow something from the start. Like I couldn't imagine doing that with someone that maybe you knew, but like I don't know. I think you, I I would need to be mates with the person if I was going to do that. Yeah, um, I, I mean, like I said, me and Jordan, we we known each other for a while. We, you know, we had similar thing when we worked at Running Three, building a product there. So, uh, you know, we we got that out quite. You know, we we kind of got that out of the way early on in in our careers. And yeah, nice. We work quite well together. Um, and now that the team isn't just the kind of like senior management, like you mentioned, now that you do have kind of more people involved in it, yeah. What what have you found? Um, I suppose what have you found that works for Hark when it comes to building that initial kind of team? In terms of hiring, or in terms of just uh, I suppose deciding, d yeah, deciding what you need, I suppose, is quite a big issue that some companies have, and then. Yeah, have you went around hiring in a specific way, or do the founders have their own kind of slant to it? Um, how, yeah. how does the whole process work? So a lot of our hiring early on was actually friends. Um, yeah. You know, we nice. we've worked with people who we like working with, who we trust, who we know are really good, so we'll hire them. Um, and then the problem happens is that that kind of list expires, and then you're like, okay, who do we hire next? And then that's when it gets kind of interesting because you've hired all your, your friends who, you know, you believe do good work. You've worked with in the past who you trust. Um, so then we, you know, we've, like I said, we've got a few from North Coders who, you know, we've brought on as juniors who are now progressing and they're doing really well. Um, nice. I think yeah, apart from that, it's as a business, you know, we focused quite early on heavily on the technology side. So hiring developers. Uh, so we have, you know, definitely more developers than we do anything else. Um, I think if I was to change anything, I would have hired more salespeople and more kind of the commercial side of the business earlier. Yeah. Um, you know, again, at the start, you know, it wasn't it wasn't necessarily so naive that we were thinking, you know, build it and they will come. Um, 
but it was definitely we had a slight bit of that of like less on the commercial side more on the technology build a great product and and we go and demo it to someone they'll love it and you know i think we were quite lucky early on to get the sales that we did but i think as we you know we now we go for typically kind of enterprise scale businesses um you you need more commercial side business you need more people you know project managers people who are going to help push through sales and build relationships with you know potential customers to to help that side of the business whilst the the technology side is building that side of the company and when it comes to hiring is it do you have a kind of criteria or is it quite a lot of a gut feel um it's it's not necessarily either it's not there's no criteria it's there's no kind of gut feel it's i guess it's kind of gut feel in a way um you know aptitude and attitude really is if we talk to someone and, and they show a level of interest uh you know a level of they could learn a lot of stuff here they could you know they'll do pretty well their experience shows that they've you know have done well in the past learning a lot and have done a lot for themselves or you know working in other places that's that's interesting for us and the and it kind of goes back to the north Dakota conversation about those kind of people who have changed direction and gone for it and taken that risk themselves is definitely someone who you know, isn't going to come in and be a nine to five developer or not. That's a bad thing, but more in the sense that they're not, you know, they're not coming in, doing their job and leaving. They want to get integrated. They want to be part of the company, grow the company and not just write some code. And that's definitely the kind of people we look for. People who will come in, you know, help push the business forward, make change. If they want to do something, they don't just talk for it, you know, talk about it. They'll, they'll try it. They'll do it. They'll show something that's kind of the top things we kind of look for. Yeah, okay, cool. And I'm, I'm assuming um, that when you're hiring, you don't seem like the kind of person or, or kind of company that are too locked down onto like a specific language, a specific framework. It is more that kind yeah. of aptitude, attitudes and ability to, yeah. to learn, yeah. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. we've had so many conversations where we're just head ahead of a brick wall because some of our kind of larger organizations we might work with just can't see past X framework. Um, yeah yeah i think i think as well like if you sorry if you have you know an agency and you've got a project in that you requires a certain language or a certain framework like you may be thinking as a company we need someone who's going to really knock this out of the park so looking for someone in that specific space is not always a bad thing that's when you know that's why people hire for certain roles but if you're just throwing out this is our current tech stack and we want more developers um trying to stick to specific languages is not always great you want to look for someone who you know programming to me is it's all the same like languages are languages you can learn them once you learn one a lot of them are fairly common in you know in that they have very slight differences um it's more about the environment that you're running the code running the applications that could actually be the, the bigger difference um so yeah we don't tend to you know, look for specific languages. It's more attitude, aptitude, you know, as a developer or sometimes not, you know, as someone who doesn't have much of a development background, who are they as a person? Yeah, I was going to ask, when it comes to hiring some of your like more data specific people, is there a slightly different way of looking for those those people or is it just kind of following the same format, just with slightly different, um, I don't know, slightly different experience needed? Yeah. Um, so... Data is an interesting one. Um, you know, typically you'll get a lot of people coming from a background with, you know, a degree. Um, 
no, the, the big word. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, so you'll, you'll see a lot of people who do, you know, mathematics and statistics, et cetera, in yeah. uni. So that's always good experience. Um, maths is, you know, I'm, I do okay at maths. I'm not bad. I did all right in my GCSEs, but I, I'm not, not the kind of person who did statistics or anything advanced with maths. Um, so I think, again, it's, you know, people who show an interest, people who can do better maths than me. Um, <laughs> and that's, that's kind of it. You're similar, similar things. Yeah, no, fair enough. Um, yeah, it's a conversation we have a lot around similar to self-taught developers. It's like data scientists without a PhD. Some people just won't even consider it, um, which yeah. I've which I've had many a rant about. Um, so I won't do it again. But uh, yeah, it's just one of those things that if you can show a bit of a desire to learn, then um, or if you've done something in a in a similar industry, then you can pick these things up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like me, myself, and Jordan, as mentioned before, we're we're not data science experts half the time. Um, we we just we like data. We like seeing what kind of information we can get out of data, and more importantly, turning data into information to help people. That's yeah. the kind of key focus that you know we have uh, as a pair and, and as a business. Is data is data is great. We collect you know from one site two hundred million readings a day, and that is all useless really unless we do something with it, unless we show the information that's actually valuable from it. Yeah. And that's, that's where we like to, you know, take that data, turn it into something that people can do something with. Yeah. And you also hear things like the 200 million readings, but then like a lot of companies or a lot of like these consultancies will like, they'll be able to do that amount of data kind of ingestion if you like, but mm -hmm. if they don't know where the information is out of those 200 million readings or what, yeah. not even not where it is, obviously they've got it, but like, what's the important part? Maybe that's only half of it or less yeah. than less than half of it maybe, but you need to know that. Yeah, what can you derive from that data to actually show that this is what's going on with your estate, for example, that your facility, um, this is where your inefficiencies are, this is where you can improve, these are the kind of metrics that, you know, this is what's happening with your estate right now. In retail, it's, it's quite a common one for like simple things like bakeries. Um, bakeries, it's bake, you know, the oven's on, and it shouldn't be like if, as a very simple thing to kind of get out of your data um, because you can save some energy there. So, um, and we do a lot, you know, with occupancy, busiest times is a nice one. Just something that actually all you need is one number over time and you can work out when your busiest time is instead yeah. of just showing there's X people in a room right now or your average people in a room at this time of day, uh, sorry, like throughout a week is this many people um, start showing things like busiest time. So that's from a single number and you can get an entire dashboard from a single number over yeah. time. Yeah, no, exactly. Um, and I, I suppose kind of getting towards the end of this then, what, um, given that we're in the weirdest times of probably our lives, uh, what does, um, what does kind of the rest of the year do you think look like for you and Hark? Um, and let's just assume that we're getting back to, to some level of normality. So is there anything in, yeah. in the works that, that we can talk about? So um, we're still building, still building products, still building, you know, tools for people to use. Um, primarily energy space. Um, a lot of things I can't specifically talk about. Um, but as a business, um, it's quite interesting for us because, you know, obviously a lot of things have been kind of cancelled right now. Um, and it's good to kind of touch, you know, like uh, to kind of refocus in a way and say, okay, 
collect all your things and say, right, where's this at? Where's this at? Where do we want to push forward while we're all working at home? What can we do? Um, so that's been quite interesting for us. Um, we're focusing on some kind of tools right now, which we're going to offer up um, in the energy space for people to kind of turn that data into helpful information. Um, so that's kind of the stuff we're working on. Uh, still building projects for people. We do a lot, um, like I mentioned earlier, in terms of company A says they want to you know, do something with us. We'll help them build that product. We'll help them you know, prove that they can get a business case out of using our technology. Um, so we're still working on some of those. Um, yeah, just a lot of the similar things that we do day to day. Yeah, just keep keep on cracking on with it. I like mm-hmm. it. Um, slightly non-work related, but a little bit work related. So you guys have got your own podcast as well, right? Yes, we do. We have a, a show called Mavis Podcast, um, which we started almost maybe two years ago now. Uh, we've got about 40, 39 episodes, I believe. It's myself, Jordan, who I've spoken about a bit, and also Jules, who I mentioned. Uh, basically, we we spent you know more than six years talking about technology, stationary, productivity, just anything we want um on slack for example and yeah. we thought why don't we make a show why don't we make a podcast and kind of talk about it on the on the show anyway um and that's kind of where that show was born out of nice yeah. uh, and, and where can people check it out you can you can check it out on mavispodcast.com it's mavis um in any like itunes and overcast etc on at mavis podcast on twitter nice and uh two final questions uh where did the name Hark come from? And also, where can you find uh, you and Hark on social? Sure. So, uh, Hark, the name, uh, is actually really typical of a name. It's Hathaway, uh, Appleson, Roylance, and Kay, which is just surnames. Surnames yeah. of people who founded the business. Uh, take the first letter. We came up with the name Hark because it came out the most when that looked like a word. Um, <laughs> and then I, I think I remember said, like, oh, isn't Hark like a noid of buzz a bird makes or something and that's where we kind of got the initial logo from and that's that's the name uh, in nice. terms of finding me um i'm at andrew hathaway on most things so twitter instagram uh, github so at andrew hathaway uh, and hark is at harksys h-a-r-k-s-y-s on twitter and also harksys.com nice all right uh well thanks for coming on glad we got to do it um, yeah, thank you thanks for having Excited to see what you guys do for the rest of the year and kind of beyond. Um, after the chat at Leeds ML, um, I was pretty buzzing about kind of what the company does. Um, yeah. It was, it was a, um, I did a great job. Um, so yeah, I really the, enjoyed that. There's a blog post out as well on our, on our blog about the talk that he did at Leeds ML, so you can check that out. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, I'll share that after this, actually. Um, all right, cool. Well, thanks very much. Yeah, thank you very much for having me. So I'm not going to lie, that was a bit of a pressure cooker of a show for me. Andrew has done around 40 or 50 of his own podcasts, so he knows how it all works. Um, he talks with three other people, um, and uh, it's really great, actually. Um, we spoke about it right at the end there, so you can uh, you can check them out. So yeah, pretty nerve-wracking for essentially a podcast newbie like me. Anyway, what a great guy. Uh, and honestly, uh, as I said at the start, Hawker are doing some really, really interesting things, um, and I think they will be a real kind of force to be reckoned with in the UK so keep your eyes peeled for how they get on I know I uh, I definitely will be and yeah thanks again to our one and only sponsor um, Cathcart Associates as I've said before um, there's no way I could do this without them so really appreciative of everything they do but yeah that's it for this one see you next time guys